Well, good morning. Good morning. Come on, man. How great were those? Pastor Austin needs to come over here this morning to do some stand-up comedy for the rest of the service. So good at that, man, working the camera, all that stuff. Well, it's exciting to be here with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. I want to share a scripture with you that I think is uh, maybe overlooked a little bit, but I think it's something that will surprise us as we've been talking about miracles and what it means for these modern day miracles, this God of miracles in our life and uh, knowing that God is still moving and he moved in the Old Testament, he moved in the New Testament and he moves today. How many would say you agree? Come on, man. He, he moves. This is what our God does is he moves miraculously. Now, I was texting uh, uh, Dr. Russ this week, and I said, man, this is a little humbling talking a message when I don't necessarily feel all that great. Have you ever had to say something, but you didn't feel like you were qualified to speak on the manner, on the subject? How many know that's true? All of a sudden, you have a young married couple come to your house, but you're an older married couple, and you've been fighting all week, and one you've been sleeping on the couch, and you have to tell them how that's not good to sleep on the couch. It's like looking in a mirror and you see yourself face to face and realizing, man, I may not be qualified. And the reason I say that is this week has been incredible back pain in my life. And I have this eye thing. I don't know if you can zoom in on this eye thing. I don't even know if we have a video this morning for our online audience. I guess not. And so, um, but, but, but this eye has been infected. And maybe that's why we don't have the video right now, because nobody wants to see this eye. So I text Dr. Russ, who's an optometrist, and said, man, I need help with this eye. My wife told me, text you four days ago. I was walking in faith or stubbornness, you know. Um, sometimes we get those two confused. And, and he prescribed me something. So hopefully by next week, we'll have my eye back to normal. I'm believing God for that. But as we're talking about miracles, it is very humbling to talk when you yourself may be in pain or your situation doesn't come in alignment. But that doesn't change the gospel truth and what he wants to share today with us through his word. And it doesn't disqualify you. What a great encouragement by Tori this morning that the gospel truth does not change. It does not change at all. It is absolutely what we need in our lives. And this whole idea of shame can disqualify you. But that doesn't change the message of the cross for your life, that your shame has been paid for on the cross. It has been purchased, and we're incredibly grateful for that. In Luke chapter 14, we recall a miracle story of a man who is swollen, and he's swollen so much that it caused him a lot of discomfort and pain. Dropsy is what they call it in the New Testament right here. This is what they see it to be. And there's a lot of pain in his life. I know this kind of pain, not firsthand, but my wife knows it um, just because she herself suffered from this kind of swelling when she was pregnant with Benson. A little preeclampsia, if you will. Her, her skin was so swollen, I could stick my finger all the way into her skin and it would leave a finger mark for hours. I used to like doing it just for fun, and she would get so mad at me. 
But she, she had all this discomfort, all this joint pain, all the bad circulation. And could you imagine she dealt with it for a couple of months and some may, moms may have suffered equally. But what if you suffered from that for a very long time? And what I love about Jesus is Jesus comes onto the scene in Luke chapter 14 and he helps this person because that's what Jesus does. He comes to bring relief. He comes to bring moments of showing up and changing lives. Let's read that story. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. It says, On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Just then in front of him, there was a man who had dropsy. And Jesus asked the lawyers and Pharisees, Is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. So Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. Then he said to them, If one of you has had a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, will you not immediately put it, pull it out on a Sabbath day? And they could not reply to this. There's this moment where Jesus heals. He shows up in a miraculous way. And we read the stories of the miracles oftentimes in the Bible. And we read these stories about the, the healing of somebody who was deaf or the healing of somebody who was blind or the dead who were raised. But a man with swelled skin, here he is. He's healed in a moment. And what I love particularly about this message and this story is that God wants to heal even the small things that, that we could seemingly overlook or not read long about. He wants to heal those in your life. This is what God does. He loves to heal. A miracle, a miracle is a surprising event in your life that may go against the natural or scientific law or reasoning. And it comes in and there's a different outcome and it's encountered by something that can only be explained as divinity, something divine. This is what a miracle is. But what I love about our God, he doesn't just wave a wand and do these miracles that are outside of the natural law or scientific law. Oftentimes he works within the scientific law and within the things that he's already set in place, but he does it on your behalf and for you. These are the things that we can often overlook in our lives, these miracles that we dismiss and chalk up to maybe coincidence or maybe favor that day, hashtag favor. But God is moving miraculously all throughout, even in natural ways. Even the miraculous conception of Mary with Jesus. Although it was God's seed, God didn't just bring, bring Jesus out of nothing. He brought her through a seed, through Mary, and she carried Jesus for nine months. And hopefully she didn't labor in pain, but there's very possibly that she could have labored in pain from that you see god was doing something supernatural bringing his son but he did it even through this partnership of his natural ways and i i think this is oftentimes our life is that when we walk out this life we dismiss maybe some of the miraculous things around us because we say oh that's natural 
But I love this is that the things that we've been talking about is these little miracles that can happen in our life that God gets glory from. God should get glory from the way that we have breath in our lungs. I I think about all the times that maybe we shouldn't have breath or maybe breath was taken from us, but maybe a miraculous event happened in our life and we don't know the sustaining power of the cross that has moved us to this point in our life. To move us to this point, these, these miracles that happen over and over and over again in our life. Miracles. Because God is a miracle working God. And the miracles that he does is to bring himself glory. Every miracle in our life, everything that God's done is to give him glory, to give him praise, to give him honor. This is what we are called to do. And miracles that we see, oftentimes we we want to see a miracle every day. Who wants to see a big miracle every day? Come on. We all do. We all want to see a big miracle every day. So maybe that causes us to discount the little miracles in our life because we're always looking around the corner for something bigger. It's in our nature, isn't it? In our culture, always looking for something bigger and better. That's the Texas way. That's right. Amen. We want to look for something bigger and better, and so we discount the little things or we move past the big events that have happened in our life in the past. You see, this is the good news is that when God works a miracle, it's to sustain a people to give him continued praise and glory for generations. When God parted the Red Sea and let the Israelites out and they were taken out of captivity, right, this moment was reflective over the years through the Passover feast. And it was reflective of these moments that this was a great moment. This is what God did for us. And it was passed down from generation to generation. You see, a miracle like this can sustain a whole generation and be passed on to another generation. This is good news. This is good news for us. It's Psalm 19.1. We read about the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. That him creating and setting in motion the skies and the stars and the land and the seas and dividing those and his creation brings about glory to him and praise to him and honor to him. But it's something that we take for granted oftentimes. A sunset, a sunrise, the hill country. Live in West Texas for a couple years, right, Ashley? Live in West Texas for a couple years. You come to, come to hill country, you're just giving God all the glory. Praise you, God. Praise you for the trees. Praise you for the hills. Praise you for, for no dirt. Praise you, Jesus, that I don't have to use lotion. Praise you, Jesus, that I don't have to dust my windows every day. Praise you, Jesus, right? We're just giving God glory all the time. You see, when, when God moves in these miraculous ways and he sets up in motion, he gets glory and praise and honor because those are truly miraculous events. That the sun rises and the sun sets every day is a miracle. That we have breath in our lungs is a miracle. We should give him honor and praise for this. And it's something we have done for 2,000 years is the fact that Jesus obeyed his father and came to earth for us. He gets praise, honor, and glory for that. And we sing about it every week because it is a miracle. How many of you know that God didn't divide the Red Sea every week? 
You know, I mean, how many of us go back to the Red Sea praying that it would divide just so we could see the miracle? Just so we can see what God has done. Some of us have been going back to, dead, to, to red seas in our life. To places in our life. Hoping that that miracle will come. Praying that it's going to come again. Praying that's how we're going to see God. But how many know he's already done it? And this is good news. And for those who are in Christ, the greatest miracle that you will ever walk in is your salvation. That he saved you. And you didn't deserve it. But how many of us just want to get saved again? I want the goosebumps again, Lord. I want you to come again. I want to get rebaptized. That was so great. I love that feeling. I'm getting rebaptized. Anybody want to get rebaptized next week? You know, we take photos of it. We send it out to everybody. It'd be awesome. I mean, I need to get rebaptized. I need to get resaved. I need another experience. I need another miracle. This is the greatest miracle that's ever happened in your life. And the Lord said, give him glory for what he, did, he has done then. Give him glory for what he has done then. Don't move past the greatest miracle in your life. Don't move past it so easily saying, oh yeah, I'm saved. I'm good. No, we should go back to the cross. We should go back to Jesus and remember that moment. Man, God, I was a sinner and I was lost, but I am found and now I'm holy because you have made me holy and I rejoice in that and I give you praise for that. I give you glory for that. This is what we're supposed to do in our miracle stories, that the modern day miracle is the fact that we are saved and God is moving. And yet God continues to do miracles even around us, even through salvation. You see, the Red Sea wasn't the only thing that parted. It wasn't the only miracle story, but it was enough. It was amazing. And they sing about it and celebrate it and didn't move past it. Just like Easter, we don't move past these stories, this resurrection story in our life because it changed us. It transformed us. And it lasts for a generation, and it will be passed down for generations. But he loves us so much, he still does miracles in spite of us. He still does miracles because he sees you and he loves you. And in this moment, we see this miracle power that Jesus does as he's sitting with these people. The Pharisees and Sadducees who are constantly challenging him. And it's a Sabbath day, a day of rest. And Jesus loved to challenge tradition. He loved to challenge the things that, that were so comfortable. This is what Jesus does. And if you meet him, and I pray that you do, he's going to challenge your traditions and your routines and the things that you hold so dear to. He challenges the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he heals a man on the Sabbath. And they question him about it. How dare you heal a man on the Sabbath? How would you question a miracle? Something supernatural. A man was swelled up and now he's swelled down. Is that the opposite? Maybe. And he's walking and he's well and his joints don't hurt and he has new life and new energy. And I guarantee you that man gave God glory. He gave Jesus glory. In fact, he, he, Jesus wanted to get to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He healed the man. He did a miracle. But he did it so that he could continue to have a conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees because he wanted to teach them something. So he dismisses the man. <laughs> the man leaves the room 
and he continues to have this conversation with them. The thing that I want to challenge us with, like Jesus challenged the Pharisees and Sadducees with, are we leaving room for a miracle? Are we leaving room for a miracle for God to move? Or have we held so tight to our traditions that we think only God works one way? That God can only do it this way? Some of us, we're holding on to our traditions of liturgical worship. Where, where we sing three songs and then we sit down. Maybe God would want to move you to a place where there would be a miracle in your seat. Where it wouldn't just be three songs. Maybe he wants to do something uniquely different for you. Maybe he wants to move on your behalf. Some of us love the tradition of Father's Day, right? We already have the smoker going, right, Christian? We, we already have things going. We already have a plan. We already invited the guests. We know who's coming. It's all planned, and we have certain things that we do. There, there's the routine. There may be the certain place that we walk and the certain park that we go to and the certain river that we hang out on. But what if God wanted to challenge you and say, are you leaving room for a miracle in your routine today, in your tradition today? Are you so caught up that it can only work one way? See, God loves to challenge this, and he's challenging them in this very moment on this very thing. Galatians 3, 5 would say this. So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Meaning that sometimes we have to disrupt tradition for the kingdom. Sometimes we have to disrupt the law and work in faith that God's going to move differently. We've been our whole lives thinking this is how we get to God. But perhaps the way to God is through a different way. Not different than Jesus, but meaning it wasn't your works and it wasn't your accolades. It was just by the way that you surrendered and said, Father, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you made it. Thank you for showing up. I leave room for you to expose anything in me that's unclean. And if there's anything that you want to do through me, I'm open. If there's a conversation you want to have. If there's a different routine that you want me to take. If there's a different way, I leave myself open to that. We have to leave room for God. Leave room for God. In everything that we do. And here we find ourselves this past weekend. We have our traditions. And for many people in this room, Juneteenth wasn't part of your tradition. It wasn't a part of something that you've added to, your, to yourself and to your life. But it was passed into law and now it's a national holiday. And we are questioned how are we going to leave room for God to move in that. And how can we celebrate in a great way. Now, a lot of us be excited that we have Friday off, paid vacation. But the truth is, can we celebrate? Because it goes against our traditions. What God has done through Juneteenth and this national holiday has brought so much love and freedom and excitement in people of color. It has brought so much inside of them that there was room where God is moving and their eyes are open where they thought wasn't possible is now possible. And the question is, is how do we make room for that? How do we leave room for that? 
That's a miraculous moment that's happened. Or is the church behind that? Is the church excited? Is the church going to celebrate? As, as our nation has all these holidays or all these festivals, um, just like the Jewish um, calendar has all these holidays, all these festivals of what God has done for the Jewish community, there's something that God has done for the American community and this group and this country. And can the people of God celebrate and be excited in moments? I'm excited. God's miracle is a miracle for our souls. It's a miracle for our souls. And I don't want to overstretch as God heals this man with dropsy. It wasn't just about this physical healing, but there was an emotional healing that was being taken place. There was this moment where the Pharisees had swollen heads and this man had a swollen body. Maybe God wanted to heal both that day. Maybe he just didn't want to heal a swollen man, but he wanted to heal swollen egos and swollen heads that were sitting at the table. It's in this moment that he heals a person and it challenges their thinking. It challenges their their knowledge and how they think God works. When you put God in a box and this is how he works all the time, you may be limiting the God I know. There's some principles and ways that he moves and shows up. And yet there's a miracle that'll happen that'll go against the principle that I thought would take place. God's miracle is a miracle for our souls. It leaves us in disbelief and dumbfounded. And every time God works a miracle around us, it's the unexpected coming into these moments where we have such a perfect plan and expectancy and it leaves us dumbfounded and it challenges our way of thinking and our souls are checked and all of a sudden it gives God glory. The Pharisees and Sadducees should have been so blown away that it left them in a humble posture of humility and worship. Are we at the place when God moves in the miracles around us? Does it leave us in a place of humility, of worship, and a posture of giving him glory? Does it do that for us? I hope it does. There's so many miracle stories. I'm excited. Um, Tori Fontenot will be sharing her miracle story next week, preaching the sermon. And that's going to be encouraging for us. I'm excited about that. Jaren got to share last week her miracle story. But there's miracle story after miracle story that I've seen God move. It was a moment on Scotland when I was on a mission trip. And I was full of faith and, and not saying this is how it works and this is how we have to do it. It was the moment where we prayed that the weather would stop and it would stop raining so that we could do an outreach. And in that day, it was forecasted rain all day. How many of you know when you start praying against the forecast, the odds are against you most of the time? But we believe that God was going just to sustain that land, and that's exactly what he did. It, there was a circle of clouds around, and it didn't rain on that field all day. And we played ultimate frisbee, and we invited over 100 kids to come hear the gospel that night. We start walking to the cathedral where they were going to hear the gospel. And as soon as the last kid enters the door, not, I'm not joking, as soon as the last kid hits the door and, and shuts the door, the door slams and the rain starts. It was an incredible moment, miraculous. We were all praising God, giving him glory right there. This was like a supernatural moment, a miraculous moment. 
I've seen moments like this over and over again in our lives, in our journey as Luminance Church. We've seen it. I'll never forget getting into the Ridge Shopping Center where we raised $116,000 cash in six weeks to get into that place. And the church showed up and came through. And it was that moment that we spent our last dollar and payroll was due that week. You know, payroll, uh, the, the way that my wife and I eat and the other people counting on that, I was like, there is no way to pay payroll. And I'm sitting here and I'm doing the numbers. I'm, I remember doing the numbers, looking at it. I was like, there's no money in the bank account. How am I going to make payroll? Am I going to charge a credit card? Am I going to take out a loan? What am I going to do? We got the building. We're in, but we're out of money. We're out of money completely. So I go down and I check the mail. I go, maybe there's, maybe there's something in the mail. I go, I check the mail. I take it up and I open the mail and I see this letter this envelope, and I open it, and inside the envelope was a check, a check for four times the amount of our payroll, $16,000 sitting there looking at me in the face. I break down crying. I call the person who gave the check. I go, I got to tell you a miracle story. God just showed up. There's miracle stories after miracle stories in our life where God shows up, where sometimes it is the check in the mail. Sometimes it is the moment where God stops the rain. And sometimes it's the moment where we have breath in our lungs and we can't believe that God is sustaining that. Miracles are all around us. They're moving. This is what God does. And God's miracle, like I said, brings us into a posture of humility. When God touches you, what does it do to your heart and to your posture? Do you take it for granted? Have you grown so jaded as the Pharisees and Sadducees when a miracle is in front of you, you just write it off? Or are you in a place where you're so thankful and there's so much gratitude and Jesus had to teach the Pharisees and Sadducees a lesson in this moment where in Luke Chapter 14, after this miracle, he goes and he starts talking about humility. He starts talking about when you go to a table and you go there, are you sitting at the best seat or are you sitting at the last seat waiting for the host to call you up, to elevate you, to move you into the place of the first seat? You see, are we a people who say, God, I'm just, I'm walking humbly. I'm walking humbly. You're the one who's going to raise it up. You're the one who's going to elevate. You're the one who's coming about. I also want to encourage you, lastly, it's never too late for a miracle. That oftentimes we feel like God won't do it for me. Maybe you've been believing for something unexpected. Maybe you've been believing for something that doesn't fit in a box. Maybe you've been believing for something in your life, whether it's a healing of your body, whether it's a touch of your finances. Maybe it's a career advancement. Maybe it's another child. Maybe it is marriage. Maybe it is a house. Maybe it is to be free of some anxiety or depression. Maybe it's to be free of a fear that you've had for a very long time. I don't know what's going on in your life, but it's never too late for a miracle. And a miracle can happen on a Sabbath day, just as we read. In Luke chapter 13, there was a woman who was crippled for 18 years. 18 years, she walked crippled. After 18 years, you kind of 
just give up. Maybe this is my condition and my state from here on out. And I think for us this morning, we've just settled into our condition. Maybe this is it. I think there's a great place to be at peace and at rest with where you are. But there may be a moment for you where it says Jesus doesn't want to leave you there. Maybe there's a healing or something for you this morning. So I'm going to believe that for us. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus so compassionately takes this woman by the hand and she straightens up and she's healed after 18 years. I don't know what your circumstance is or what you're believing God for, but maybe, just maybe, God wants to heal something in your life. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. Jesus, today we are leaving room for a miracle. And Father, I know that miracles happen supernaturally. And we're not chasing a miracle, we're chasing the cross. We're chasing what you paid for and died for, a redeemed life that we could be made new in you, new in Christ. Lord Jesus, we know that this, this earth is fleeting and our bodies are frail and we will die and we will perish, but we'll be glorified with you with a new body and there's new hope and new glory. We know all that. We know, God, that maybe, maybe this is the career that we're supposed to have for the rest of our life. Maybe this is what you called us to. We know all that. That may be what you called us to do. Maybe this is our journey and our plan. Maybe it's to remain single. Maybe it's not kids of our natural birth, biologically. We know all that. But Lord, you also work miracles. You also move miraculously. Where you've opened wounds that have been closed. Where you've freed people who were depressed and gave them joy. Where you've taken crippled bodies and you made them well. Where you've taken men who were swollen and you have unswelled them. This is what you do, Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray, whoever's asking and believing for a miracle, would you come by your Holy Spirit? And would you touch? Would you touch and bring a miracle? Your miraculous power, your healing, your touch. Father, we believe that right now. You're showing up as you said you would. We're grateful, and we give you glory for that. We give you honor for that. We give you praise for that, Jesus. Father, I thank you for Philippians 3, 9 says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, that we're made right by our faith in you, Jesus. Not by what we do, not by the way we pray and articulate our language, but you make us right by truly trusting you, putting our faith in you. If there's anybody in here who does not know him, today's your opportunity.
you can know Jesus. You can know him. Simply say this. The word would say, confess that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you're a sinner and, and just confess. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm tired of going my own way. It says, believe in your heart that he is the Lord. And so right now, just cry out to him however you cry out and confess him with your mouth that he is Lord and that you raised him from the dead and that he paid the price, the ultimate price for you. That's it. It's that prayer that welcomes you to the kingdom. Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name.